1: I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He'll live with them and they'll be His people and God Himself will be with them and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever.
2: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multigenerational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit MissionHill.org. That's MissionHill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: If you can relate to any of those things, I would just tell you that God is not intimidated by your doubts or your questions or your fears. And when you're at the bottom, He will meet you there. You're not alone. My friend Mark says it well. He says, lament is the language of those stumbling in their journey to find mercy in dark clouds. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've even just stumbled into this place. And you're saying, God, I, I need something because it's awful dark. It was about this time of year, my dad had had a stroke. And um, it changed life for him, my mom, instantly. My mom is such a trooper. They literally moved in like two days' notice. And it seemed like things were better, but then he had another brain bleed and he left the assisted living that they had just moved into, never to return. After a lot of time in the hospital, he went into a nursing facility and I mean, it wasn't the same, but it, it seems like things were going to be okay. And then he fell, and things just got worse. And things got bad. <laughs> and some of you that were here, you remember, man, that was a trying time for me. And at least every two weeks, sometimes every week, I'd make that seven and a half hour drive nonstop to South Carolina and spend a couple of days. And come back. And a couple of months into that COVID hit and it was shut down. And we got some special permissions, but the visits did not come as often. I remember just crying out to God, thinking about this man who had been my hero, who was the strongest man I'd ever known, my source of wisdom apart from God.
3: And saying, God, he, he's okay. He's ready. He's lived a good life. Just let him come home. We're okay. We're ready.
1: God did not answer my prayer.
3: Not at my timing.
1: I remember his last couple of days, we knew that his passing was imminent. I was able to get there and I might like, thank you, God, I made it. Not just take him. Please just take him. And he didn't. And, and when you walk through that, you have to get to a point where you say, What do I do with this grief? What do I do with this, which I don't understand? And what scripture is teaching us is that the healthy thing is not to stuff it down and not to be a mid or not to put your big girl panties on. The the healthy thing is to say, God, this is killing me. I don't understand it. I'm grieving. We acknowledge our pain and grief. But God never intends that we stay there. Did you hear that, church? God never intends that we stay there. Remember the shift I read at verse 55. But, don't you love the buts of the Bible? But I called on your name, Lord, from deep within the pit. And, and some of you feel deep within the pit. Some of you have been deep within the pit. You heard me when I cry. Listen to my pleading. Hear my cry for help. Yes, you came when I called and you told me, do not fear. Do you know how many times in the Bible God tells you, do not fear? Lord, you've come to my defense. You've redeemed my life. You know what God's word is saying to you today? When you call on the name of the Lord, there is always hope. When you call on the name of the Lord, there's always hope. Look at verse 20. I will never forget this awful time. I grieve my loss, yet I still dare to hope. Say dare to hope. I still dare to hope, and I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to the Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. In church, there comes a moment where you either have to decide, is this true or not? Do his mercies fail? Does his faithfulness end? Can I trust him? That's the context for the passage of that familiar word of Scripture. It's not, though it's okay if you do this, it, it's not a sunrise at the beach. Great is your faithfulness, O oh Lord, your mercies are new every morning. It's not a Thomas Kincaid picture of a mountain college cottage with a bustling brook and a rainbow in the background. No, this is in dark clouds, in devastating moments. In those times you don't understand, but you say, great is your faithfulness, oh Lord. He was singing of God's deep mercy while living under the dark clouds of depression. And I can relate to that too. But it's in those moments that we must have the even though mentality. My Bible reading plan fittingly had me in Psalm 23 this morning. Do you remember verse 4? Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. In those even though moments, he is with you. His protection, his provision is for you. And so I grew to a place where I could say, God, even though you didn't answer my prayers the way I wanted you to answer them, you are faithful. God, even though you took my dad home earlier than I wanted you to, you are faithful. God, even though some of the circumstances around this are changing our lives, you are faithful and you can fill in the blank in your life. God, even though my marriage didn't work out, you are faithful. God, even though my finances are amazing. Mess, you are faithful. Lord, even though I don't understand this diagnosis and I don't seem to be getting better, you are faithful. There's something, there's something that's reassuring and restorative in proclaiming how great God is even when you don't see his greatness. That was good. I want to say it again. There's something reassuring and restorative in proclaiming how great God is even when you don't see his greatness. This this is why, and I would say this often to Buck and I said it to Andrew again this week, there are songs that stir our soul. So regardless of age, if you have familiarity with the songs of the people of God, when you sing How Great Thou Art, it stirs your soul because it points you to the vast greatness of God in a world where you look out and everything doesn't seem great. So what does the scripture say here? It says, the Lord is faithful and good. The Lord is faithful and good. The faithful love of the Lord endures forever. Great is your faithfulness. The psalmist says it this way. He says, God, you are good and you do good. And that's something you've just got to decide. Do you believe that? That's one of the first songs I learned as a child. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Why do we teach simple songs like that to children? It's because those foundational truths that we'll need as anchors in the most difficult moments of our life are based on spiritual principles that at their heart are very simple. God is good but there's more. Jeremiah is also saying the Lord is enough. He said that in this passage, in the translation we read, it said, he is my inheritance. In the NIV, it says he is my portion. What it's saying is he's enough. When you're trusting in him, he will be all you need. By the way, that's the context of Philippians 4. Regardless of the circumstance, God is teaching me to be content in all things, whatever the outlook is. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the life of the Christ follower. And each day, each day he's offering you these new morning mercies. But when I hear that, I'm I'm brought back to the children of Israel do you remember how God provided for their need? He gave them manna. And you know what manna is? Don't, don't say you do because you don't because even the name manna meant what is it? I mean, they didn't know what manna was. They just know when they, they put it in their mouth, it went to their belly, and they were no longer hungry. But listen, they couldn't hold on to the manna because the manna from today would be spoiled by tomorrow. It would be unedible. And so every day, every say every day. every day, every day they had to go out and get the manna. And I think what Jeremiah is trying to teach us here is just like the children of Israel. You're going to need his new morning mercies every day. And that's. Part of the problem in the group that we call the church gathered today is we begin a relationship with Christ and for most it is sincere and you've trusted Jesus with your salvation but you've not understood that you need to preach the gospel to yourself every day and and understand that he's your only hope for that day. You need his new morning mercies. Are you relying on God's new morning mercies? When's the last time you've just rested in his provision and his presence? Are you daring to hope?
3: Maybe you just need to sing these verses. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, I forever will be. Sing it out great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness
1: hear this today. It's a healthy thing to acknowledge our pain and grieve our loss. And the presence and the provision of the Lord gives us hope even in life's most challenging time. But you need to know this as well. Life's waiting times need not be wasted time. This is one of my favorite spiritual principles. I've, I've talked to you about this before, but hear it from Lamentations 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And all God's people said, no! No, God, it is not good to wait. It, no! God, this is, that has to be a misprint. That has to be an error in Scripture. What about waiting is good? Hey, have you ever been headed into the line with your buggy with four things in it at Publix and just as you go into the lane, someone cuts in front of you and they've got a buggy overflowing with stuff at Publix and they start putting it onto the counter one by one by one. Or you go to Target and thankfully they've got 22 different cash registers But only one of them are open. And you're waiting. Waiting is not usually referred to as good. But here the prophet is saying that when we wait on the Lord, we're actively declaring our hope in him. Think about this. What frustrates us in waiting? In those two scenarios I just gave you, what frustrates us is that we think, I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting here and I'm not accomplishing what I want to accomplish. Yet here's the irony. When we learn to wait on the Lord, we're doing the one thing that can help us. We're trusting him to do what only he can do. Waiting causes us to recognize that we are not in control and it prompts us to rely on the one who is. When I think about that, I always go back to that time My wife was in surgery at Moffitt Cancer Center and we knew it was a big surgery and we were trusting the Lord, but we were ready for her to get out of that surgery and and hear the diagnosis and I had some friends and family with me and people kept saying, can I get you something to eat? And I didn't want to eat. I just wanted to see my bride. The waiting room is a tough place to hang out. But waiting moments are not wasted moments. Maybe you're having to wait today. You can trust it. It's a healthy thing to acknowledge our pain and grieve our losses. The presence and provision of the Lord give us hope even in life's most painful and challenging moments. Life's wasted time, waiting times need not be wasted time. But hear this, pain, suffering, and even death do not get the final word. Let me say that again for those of you in the back. Pain, suffering, and even death do not get the final word. Lamentations 3.31 says, For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion. Because of the greatness of his unfailing love, he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. So if you're thinking, God, you're just out to get me, you just want to hurt me, you just want to you just want to cause me pain, that verse right there tells you that is not true. But listen to even some better news. Even death is not the end for a child of God. Oh, death, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe one of our favorite passages as believers in Revelation 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them and they'll be his people and God himself will be with them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Two weeks ago, I left this service and said about two-thirds of the way back. Was Mr. Ron Govan, and as he has done ever since COVID, when I would walk by him, he held out his fist, and I gave him a fist bump. That Wednesday night, he uh, he and Miss Judy were at our house of prayer, and and they prayed passionately as we prayed over our children and, and some other areas of our ministry. And then late that week, he he had a stroke, and it, it affected him very badly. And he declined. And so Friday evening, he was moved right down the street to Malik Hospice House. And so after our prayer time yesterday morning, we, we prayed for him and Miss Judy and, and many others. And I went to my office, did a couple of things, and I called my bride and said, Hey, I'm running over here to the hospice house. I'll, I'll be home in a bit. I went in to see Mr. Ron, but I realized as I walked into the room along with him that... Um, this was a special moment. Just after I got in there and knelt down by his bed, I, I, heard, um, I heard him just breathe his last breath. I was praying for him at the time, and I, I kind of opened my eyes and realized he was with Jesus. And so my posture needed to change a little bit. And what stood out to me is what a peaceful moment that was for a child of God. I I can assure you that was not the end for Ron Govan. In fact, I, I know that uh, he immediately saw Jesus face to face. I know that because I've watched his faith in action for all of my years at this church. But some of you saw his faith in action in this church for decades. That can be true of you too. The reality is, as hard as this is to think about, some of you are not going to win the battle physically on this side of heaven. You're in the midst of it even right now, and it's tough. And we don't know the time. None of us will be a moment late or a day early. God's in control of that, but it doesn't always work out the way we wish. But it's not the end. Jesus got the final word. And that leads us to the last thing I want you to know. The presence of pain should always cause us to renew our faith. This has been one of those oh my or oh me messages. It's heavy. But if you miss this part, you've missed out on the intent of this chapter in God's word. Look at verse 40. Instead... Let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. I look at our society and, man, it's easy, particularly in a space like this, for us to talk about everybody out there and how bad they are. But when I read passages like this, I think maybe the problem is not so much that everybody out there has not turned to God. Maybe the problem is that a lot of us in here have turned away from God. And it's because it's been a tough road for some of you. But you let it pull you away from God, and that's not okay. So examine yourself. There's a man by the name of Thomas Chisholm. He lived in the 1800s, born into poverty in Franklin, Kentucky. He was uneducated, but he did have a desire to be in ministry. That was his one desire to pastor. And so he did for one year. And then his health failed, and he could not do the one thing in life he wanted to do. So in order to provide for his family, he became an insurance salesman. But he said this, I must never fail to record the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God. And boy, did he keep his promise. He wrote over 1,200 poems and some songs you are familiar with, like the one you just sang. Listen to another of the verses. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. thine thine own dear presence, to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow.
2: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement